Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 449 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd here today for a bunch of comic stuff. Todd, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I took a Sucrets and I'm ready to go. All right. You got a mute button there, too, if you feel it. I do have a mute button, and I feel it and I see it. Okay. So we're trying something new. If you listen to After Dark this week, you'll kind of get a little bit more information on that. I just wish I could see my levels. Oh. Not that I could see my levels on the other things, but I really can't see my levels here. On the level. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how today goes. But we actually got a lot of stuff, hopefully, to distract me from uh, my mental issues that I'm having regarding this and all the other shows that I do. Uh, a chain. Well, okay. The longest-running news story in sequential episodes of this show is possibly coming to an end. <laughs> nice. Uh Big thing is coming up at Marvel, and it's all purely speculation, so that's what we're going to do. Typically, while we're a show that does not speculate, there's enough information being given out there for us to speculate freely. Uh, comic book conventions this weekend, digital sales and freebies, of course. Uh, lots of new freebies on the docket. And since this past weekend was free comic book day, uh, we're going to be discussing the free comic book day Spider-Man book. Uh, DC's quarter book, Year of the Villain, and the book that we were both most looking forward to coming out this past week, which was War of the Realms, number three. What mm-hmm. we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd's Art Attack, of course, and discussions of the most recent episodes of The Flash, The Cloak and Dagger, and The Legends of the Tomorrow. Ooh, that's a lot of good stuff. I wonder if there's any wig stuff in any of these episodes. Oh, boy. I, I, I can only hope that whatever show had the wigs in it, is the one that made wigs famous. <laughs> oh, boy. So, let's start things right off with, for the first time in what feels like a dozen months, or a dozen <laughs> news cycles, there is not a delay for issues 10 or 11 of Doomsday Clock. The pendulum swings my way, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's still... Not swung all the way back, for sure, you know, just because there was one week there was no delay. There were 11 weeks where there were delays, so... Well, that's all the delays are out of the way. All the delays have been delayed. There will be no more delays. Right, and I think we jinxed it last week. We're like, we're going to make a bit. We're going to have production. We even had uh, Daniel Silverthorne. He made a little uh, drop-in bug for it, but alas, we... We may never discuss this book being late again, Todd. Exactly. My, I'm always sad whenever there's a bump that we have that we can't do. Um, but I look at it as this is me, you know, winning the bet slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. So yes. that uh, that being said, uh, I have a feeling that I'll be using my deed to the Brooklyn Bridge that I just purchased. Oh. As a bookmark for when issues 10 and 11 actually come out. Oh, you know, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
It's going to happen. Now that Jeff Johns is on track and he's got all those Stargirl episodes written and DC has has asked, nay, demanded that he gets that that trade and hardcover out in time for Christmas. So at least half of it, mm. or some of it, or I don't know. I Who hope, I, uh, you know, as much as we rib this show, and I feel rightfully so, I, I really hope that it is actually back on track. Right. You're worried now. Mm. Of all the things that I'm worried about, Todd, this yes. barely cracks the top 20. Oh. Like things that directly affect my life or otherwise. Or indirectly. Or indirectly affect my life. It's just a bit on the show. I would like the book that I'm invested in. And have been enjoying, for the most part, to actually come out. It's not, it's not like DC's hanging on every, you know, storyline either. So hopefully they'll get to, you know, put it in first and go after this. Right. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on in the show, how DC is just kind of like, yeah, we've uh, kind of just, you know, maybe we'll come back to this stuff at a later date. We got like six other irons in the fire, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Doomsday Clock, 10-11 on schedule, whether we see a release date for uh, 12 in the August solicitations, who knows. But one thing that we will be seeing in the August solicitations are a bunch of new Marvel comics with superstar creative teams. As uh, this episode was beginning, I guess in tomorrow's Marvel books, or today's Marvel's book, depending on when you're listening to this show, there's just kind of like a static page with creative teams announced for stuff. Uh, Joe Hill and Mike Allred, Al Ewing and George Perez, J. Michael Straczynski and Ed McGinnis, and Brad Meltzer and Julian Totino Tedesco. Now, what does this all mean? I I could certainly say that this is not going to be ongoing series by these creators. Uh, I could certainly see these being a series of one-shots, perhaps. What the theme of those one-shots are going to be, who really knows? But uh, some interesting creative teams we got uh, being pitched out here, huh? That is true, especially like we, we were discussing George Perez. He's retiring this year after a few, you know, Comic-Cons and other cons. Um, so he'll... He'll be done, so I like you. You know that's not an ongoing. Um, I wonder if like it is if it's one shots, and if it has anything to do with some other you know things being dropped by uh, you know Marvel here or there. But I I'm curious to see where it is. I like a lot of these uh, creative teams, so you know if it's one shots, I'll probably give them a try. Hopefully they'll all be seven ninety nine a piece. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. I bet you they'll at least at least four ninety nine five ninety nine for most of them. Are we still in the throes of Marvel Comics' 80th anniversary? I believe we are. Okay. I feel as though these could be related to that somehow. Maybe them doing, like, the Golden Age... Like, there's a Golden Age Human Torch story. There's a Golden Age Namor story. Uh, a Captain America in there somewhere, you know that sort of thing. Right, all those uh, those World War II characters. I can't think mm-hmm. of the with the Wizard and all that stuff. Right, and more are coming across as we're recording. There's a Mark Wade and John Cassidy one listed, Oof. and one that just says Walt Simonson. Bet you that's Thor related somehow. Yeah, write write a note for yourself. Well, I'll, I'll bring that up a little bit later on here, Todd. Okay. 
But uh, I'll, I'll remind you on Saturday about that one. Gotcha. I think I know where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. This one's not difficult to read between the lines on. Right. Now, another thing uh, that is difficult to figure out what's going on is over the weekend, uh, big-time editor over at Marvel, C.B. Sabolsky, tweeted out, I quote, The last comic to sell a million copies was Star Wars number one, which was almost five years ago. I feel it's about time we publish another comic that sells over seven figures. And I think I have an idea. That's one of them teases, Joe. Mm -hmm. You'll be shocked. He did come right out and say that it's not another Star Wars. So the question is, of all the properties now that Disney owns that Marvel could possibly do a comic on, what could possibly be the thing that they maybe haven't ever done a comic on or haven't done in a long time? The only thing like that, that now that he says it's definitely not Star Wars, because there was all the whole like, he said it's not a Star Wars relaunch, like a relaunch oh, okay. of the whole line. Then then I'll, I go with what everybody else has been going with, that it's Star Wars meets the Marvel Universe. Yep. That's and, exactly what I think it is. What? That's exactly what I think it is. I, I mean, with the with the fact that, you know, Star Wars are billion-dollar movies, and now uh, Avengers and Marvel Comics has a bunch of billion-dollar movies, you know, mash those things together. Now... Like, how many loot crates are they going to have to be a part of to get a million again? I don't think you're going to get a million just from comic shops. Like, uh, you know what I mean? But maybe they're going to do, like, you know, Walmarts and all this stuff and have them out there. But that's the one that I can see them doing because I would like to see, uh, you know, Dr. Doom go against, you know, Darth Vader, the, the you know, the, the second rate. Uh, Doctor Doom, because that's all they did was just steal them. But I could see a lot of cool stuff. But I could see the Avengers name on it just because of Endgame. You know what I mean? Right. Like like Star Wars Avengers, the you know the, the Endgame Skywalkers or something like that. With all this stuff, and again, there's a lot that they could do once they finally pull that trigger. And we'd actually talked about this way way back way back when. When the first Star Wars comics were announced, we're like, how long is it going to be before these two properties touch? Five years, apparently. <laughs> Five years, looks like. Well, I'll have to go back and find the episode where we talked about that and re-edit in that it was uh, five years ago. Do you want me to borrow my ringtone maker? Yes. Okay. The only other thing that I, I would like to see it be is what our good friend uh, Josh says. is He wants to see it be Indiana Jones. And also with the best digger in Cairo, Sala. While I think Indiana Jones uh, would be good, I don't think that's going to be the million seller. Either do I. But And with all the Star Wars stuff, I just want to see, give me a Boba Fett-led team of bounty hunters taking on a Hawkeye-led team of Thunderbolts. Oh my just, goodness. Just give it to me as a one-shot. Kurt Busiek, Mark Bagley... Getting Mark Bagley drawn like your four lums and your IG-88s as they take on like Moonstone and Atlas and Mach 5 or whatever he was. I do. I want to see Vader and Doctor Doom, you know, and their masks get knocked off. And it's like the dueling uglies right there. Well, you're going to get 
You're definitely, you know what? It's definitely going to be like some sort of like Han Solo type folks and Guardians of the Galaxy type. Oh, folks. that's right. It's going to be the it's going to be the writer pulls up on the Millennium Falcon. There's mm-hmm. no way you can't have Quill and Han Solo hanging out. Chewbacca and Groot. Oh, just like doing the two, like I am Groot and, and Chewbacca doing the growls. Nobody understands them. It'd be fantastic. Rocket Raccoon. And R two D twos, or I, I don't know. There's a lot you can do. So, are we hyping this too up too much that it's not going to happen? I, when have we ever been wrong about something in comics before? Mm. I don't know. Uh, a lot, but I feel as though this one is like one of those layups that you could easily mess up. Uh, I don't know. What's Jason Aaron doing soon? He's gonna have a free arm, isn't he? Well, uh. After, well, first of all, I hope he never leaves Thor, but if he is leaving Thor, he's got a run on Spider-Man that he has to do and a run on Daredevil that he has to do. And then he can go back and revisit this. He's already written Star Wars stuff. Oh, that is true. But do you think he doesn't want that Star Wars uh, Marvel paycheck for that book? That's true. That's like, you know, we, you always talk about what, you know, the the famous thing where he talked about what book makes more money and what one comes out. You know, here, would you like to do, you know, would you like to do a, a little Spider-Man book that, that can? Or would you like to do the, the royalties on the million dollar, the million issues? I think I'll take the million issues. Even if it's only a six-part start startup or a mini or whatever, I'll do that. First dibs, Jason Aaron, or I'm leaving. I'm going to D.C. I will say, I will just say this, consistently outside of the Star Wars books and whatever big events, whatever, whatever that they're pushing, Spider-Man is and has consistently been the top-selling book since Brand New Day. Yes, and I'm going to ask you, Joe, mm-hmm. would you have rather, if someone came to you five years ago and said... Well, we got these plans to sell a million copies with Loot Crate, this and that. Do you want to write that million, that million issue book? Or do you want to do the most consistently, you know, selling book one shot? You know what I mean? And then Star Wars sold pretty damn good after that while he was writing it. So, so first of all, Todd, I'm an artist and my, my art cannot be bought and sold like your common paychecks. That being said. While that is a million million issues, that's also being sliced up amongst many, many, many more parties than if I'm just doing Spider-Man or whatever it is, where there are parties that it's being split, like that that million-dollar pie is being split up amongst. But if you're doing a million-dollar book and, like, Loot Crate has an exclusive and Hot Topic has an exclusive and this place has an exclusive and that place has an exclusive, all of those places are getting their cuts. And then what's left over for me isn't going to be as big as if I write 24 consecutive issues of a book that doesn't vary in the number of sales and that pie, that pie is only split four ways. I, I, you're completely wrong on how, how, how you get your money on that okay. because it doesn't, it doesn't matter as a creator, you get a royalties on how many issues the book sells. It doesn't matter how many part of the pie, your royalties on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. If you sell a thousand copies of Spider-Man are the same as if you sell a thousand copies of Star Wars, the more issues you sell, the bigger your royalty check is. Works at DC, works at Marvel that way, according to, to people who have told me. So you can have all these people cutting a piece of the pie. Your check, your pay, your pay is the same, but it goes, you get more by how many more issues you sell. 
Plus, I would like to see the numbers that Star Wars was and how long he would write this book, whether it was six issues or or what, because he'll take that Star Wars Marvel crossover if it's six issues, ten issues or whatever. And then you know what? When it's over, give me Spider-Man. I could have the best of both worlds. Right, I could so have this do both. Yeah, I could have this now and that later. You know, let Nick Spencer write Spider-Man for a little while. And I'll make the the big money on Star Wars Marvel crossover, and then I'll swipe that book out from under him and make a ton of money on Spider Man too. <laughs> Just steal it right out from underneath him, you know. So I get I get what you're saying. I'm not going to say that you've convinced me, but I think it's because it's Spider Man, and you know. Right. So Spider-Man's I convinced is what you're saying. Gotcha. Good to know. So conventions this weekend. Uh, there's a bunch all over the uh, greater North America. We have Hudson Valley Comic Con in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, Ron Mars is going to be there, but no- most notably, not a man known for his comic book work, but the great Gilbert Gottfried is going to be there. You're going, right? I'm not going. I listen. I have a I have a date at a diner with a Pikachu this weekend. <laughs> Uh, the Ottawa Comic-Con in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, Mike Grell and Mike Zeck are going to be there, but more notably than they, and that is not a slight on them, but the great Tom Cavanaugh is going to be there. Oh, hopefully nobody gets betrayed in that city. It's happened oh, before. Oh, my goodness. If I was there, I would go up to him and say, how come you just walk around with a killer's face in the flash all the time? <laughs> And then I hope he says, well, that's not really a question, but a wizard did it. And then <laughs> shushes me along. That's right. That's how coffee cups get in wizard and dragon shows. Right. I get that reference, but we're not going to talk about it. I know. All right. So uh, Comic Palooza is happening in Houston, Texas. This one's a little bit more multimedia-esque, even though there are some uh, comic book folks there. Neil Adams, Dan Jurgens, Bob Layton. Uh, J.K. Woodward, who uh, you're a fan of, I know. I am a fan. Met him in a, at a local con. That's right. And uh, from the world of uh, entertainment, Grant Gustin is going to be there. Surprising uh, that he and the... Team Flash very rarely does um, conventions together. They uh, must hate each other. This just in. John Wesley Ship is kind of like a... He's... He's positioning himself to be Lou Ferrigno 2.0. Listen. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but listen, he's on a lot of he's at a lot of conventions. John Wesley Ship is the Flash TV goodwill ambassador to Comic Cons. There you go. Uh I always see uh the 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 people who play Killer Frost and Vibe together quite a bit. Right. But then you see Grant don't make so many appearances too much. You see Tom Cavanaugh pop up here and there, uh, but you don't see, like, the big Team Flash get-together, you know? Yeah. You don't get that big photo op of, like, hey, it's $80 a piece, you know, but we'll we'll drop it to $70 a piece if you, if you get all together, you know? Right. I love those deals on photo ops. Uh, but arguably, I would say that the biggest convention happening this weekend is right in our neck of the woods, if you consider neck of the woods an hour and change drive into New Jersey. 
be careful. Jersey's a good place or a bad place, depending on who you talk to. Right. Well, I talked to people who are sane, and they say that <laughs> Phillipsburg Comic Con is a good convention to go to. It's actually being held at the Phillipsburg High School uh, Library, and I think this is the fifth year in a row that they do it. I have a lot of friends, actually, that went to that high school, and uh, they, they are trying to be coerced to go to the convention and be part of the convention. Uh, but their world, or their their world wrestling, good lord, their wrestling uh, <laughs> ventures are taking them away from a comic book convention. Good lord, good is lord. it the AU wrestling people? No. Okay. I don't know what that means. AEW. Oh, okay. Um, no, uh, those. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's for another show. That's, that's for another show. Yeah, we don't talk about that here. Uh, Fabian Nicenza, Walt and Louise Simonson, and that's where you're going to go and press him about what that thing that he's doing for Marvel is, Todd, so we can get an exclusive. That's right. I'm just going to grab him by the lapels and jack him up over the table. Say, listen here, old man. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Joe Kelly, Lee Weeks, Rag Morales, Franco of Art and Franco fame, uh, Tiny Titans amongst many other things, a stack convention. And, again, it's in the greater, you know, New Jersey area, just a hop, skip, and a jump from wherever you are in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, what have you. And I don't think it's really that expensive to get into, to be honest with you. I don't know off the top of my head what it is. And as long as I don't tick off our good buddy DJ anymore, I'll probably be going. And I may even have some pins with me. So stop by and we'll see what's going down. Yeah, five bucks to get in. Oh, that's too much. That's too much. I'm not going now. Or, wait, not enough. That's what I'm thinking. I'm not going. <laughs> I don't know. Depending on how my day goes, I might try to swing this in between uh, breakfast with Pikachu. There you go. We'll see. I'll, I'll run this through the uh, the old map quest a little bit later on. But uh, the links to all of those conventions will be in the show notes, as well as information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com. Uh, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, where all the shows in our group here of like minded individuals that put out podcasts on a regular or even a semi regular basis. Uh, you know, of course, you can always rely on Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Podvocacy, uh, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, which actually dropped both of their episodes uh, yesterday as we're recording this, uh, Profane Argument, and we're almost coming up upon that time for the bi-monthly feature of Fresher and Parlance. And any time any of those shows come out, you can find out all the release information over at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. I have it so rote in my head that I always forget to mention At Odds with Wrestling here, Mm -hmm. but I think we'll be mentioning... uh, at, I always mention At Odds with Wrestling like a little bit later on the show. But yeah, At Odds with Wrestling. M- myself and Adam, who you may have heard and enjoyed, or maybe one or both of those things, or neither, <laughs> on the Adven- Avengers Endgame special that we dropped last week on the After Dark feed. Nearly two hours of the three of us, myself, Todd, and Adam, waxing poetic on Avengers Endgame and then ranking the Marvel movies from worst to first. And Todd's list may shock you. Mm, it did. It certainly did. So, digital sales and freebies moving right along. Uh, there is a bunch of sales, again, still left over from the previous weeks. 
Uh, those that Marvel Avengers blockbuster sale is still going on. IDW still having a sale on Judge Dread stuff, as well as Marvel with Avengers, another Avengers sale, which is a different crop of Avengers books. Thanos books are included in these sales. There's a Star Wars sale going on uh, for a few more days. A Marvel Books of the 80s sale, which sadly is uh, kind of like an easy, soft group of books. There's like no real standouts. Like, you know, and again, I'm not saying that these are bad books, but it's like Secret Wars, Dark Phoenix Saga, Daredevil Born Again. Um, then you get like, oh, here are those Thor visionaries, which are good books. And then you get the Hulk visionaries and those are good books. And then there's like, here's a couple Spider-Man issues that are just all over the place. You know, it's like, Mm. here's a random issue of Alpha Flight for some reason. Here's (laughs) the miniseries of Balder the Brave. So it's a really hit or miss, uh, thing on that collection, uh, that sale, but you know, go through it. Maybe you might find something. Who knows? Any Alf comics? No Alf comics, sadly. Oh, that's that's where the money would have been. I think that's a different license. Uh, Dynamite is having a sale on James Bond stuff, and DC is having a sale on Flash stuff. Hmm. Now, I have to ask you, uh, while I am not currently caught up on the current goings on of the Flash's book proper, uh, are we nearing the point? Where we are being told the Flash's origin almost as regularly as we are told Batman's origin? Or that it gets like a tweak or a twist or a pinch or a poke? I don't think it's as close as Superman. Superman's gets it all the time. I don't remember the last time we told uh, Batman. I think, you know, in this 70-issue run, this might be this, this one that's coming up will be the second time there. Other than giving it, I, do you count giving like a quick, like the day the chemicals exploded? You know, and that happened to me. Or just, like, telling, like, multiple issues. You know what I'm asking? Uh, telling over multiple issues. Then this is the... F- I think this might be the first time it's happened in 70 issues. Okay. Other it's just than that the, the, the connotation of calling the arc Flash Year One just makes me think of, like, haven't they done this, like, a couple times before? But obviously they have They actually did a Flash Year One, yes. with But it was with Wally. Right. Oh, okay. So, see... It was flashier one where he just got the powers and everybody was like, like Barry was worried that like what it would do to a, a growing young boy in his, you know, in, in that state of, you know, between years and he was going to see a doctor and everything. So it was, it was really good by Mark Wade, but it was a completely different flash. So the flash, nobody cares about anymore. Lolly. Gotcha. So I will say with that flash sale that's going on, uh, go uh, treat yourself to Flash 182, the Captain Cold solo story, written by Jeff Johns with art by Scott Collins. With Maybe a, one of the best comic single issue comics of all time. With a killer cover by uh by uh, uh Brian Boland. Well, yep. one of my favorite covers. So I think we might have even did. Did we do a Todd and Joe have issues on that? I think. Yes, we did. Yeah. Such a good issue. Mm-hmm. Like I said, arguably one of the best uh, sol- single issues of all time. I agree. I'm looking to see where that was in the list of things. It may shock you. It may shock me where it is? Yes. Just looking for the date or... 
Well, I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm just looking to see where it was because we didn't do them like they weren't like episodes. Like we talked about them on the show, but then we did like the. Uh, no, I think we did number them because they have like. Uh, oh no, we didn't. I'm, no, we didn't number them as. Yeah, because like, having... we just did them at random. It was I would pick, then you would pick. And sometime it worked out to be theme because you ended up picking one time for like it was near Thanksgiving and you love that JSA story where they have dinner and like some so so we would do weird like themes so it didn't go in any order of issues that we liked because if that would be then probably it would be Sandman Eight would be my favorite single issue <laughs> right so it was uh, the April twenty seven two thousand seventeen uh, Todd and Joe have issues. Oh, just a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yes. Time flies. It certainly does. Uh, so the new uh, freebies that came out uh, over the last week, and again, like I said, links to all these will be in the show notes, uh, would be Shatterstar number one, Killmonger number one, and Infinity, Infinity Countdown number one. All books that have been published within the last year or so. Uh, miniseries and so forth, where the first issues of those are being offered for free. So they're getting a lot more recent books in there from Marvel as the free gotcha books. And then Indestructible Hulk number one, a little bit older of a book, but uh, Mark Wade writing the Hulk. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. It seems like that was forever ago. Right, because wasn't it like Mark Wade and Jason Aaron, or Jason Aaron and then Mark Wade? Like that's a good two, one, two right there. Mm-hmm. I think the Mark Wade run came after the Jason Aaron run, or it might have been one of those things where they like may have ran concurrently to each other. They might have, and then I remember the Mark Wade one was the one where they they the, the all new shortly was after that, and like you were like, all right, was Indestructible Hulk. You know, all new Hawkeye. It was crazy at that time. I didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's exact. That's exactly what it was. The Jason Aaron stuff was 2011 into 12, and then that rolled into the Mark Wade stuff. Right. That seems like a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. It's I don't certainly anymore. Certainly does. And then there's another book that came out that's available for free that we'll be talking about here shortly. But before we talk about that book, let's talk about, from what we read this past week, the book that both of us were most looking forward to coming out this week, which was War of the Realms, number three. Right. The War of the Realms by Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman. Um, at this point, the uh, the world has been taken over by uh, Malekith and his army and we are now seeing the all mother thor's mother you know putting groups together and sending them off to with their various missions one of them is go find my son thor he's missing another one is you have to go destroy like the rainbow bridge malekith has a uh, dark rainbow bridge that he can transport his troops everywhere so they have to shut that down so they send a, a crew there and then there's uh, random other you know little groups bands doing their things um and we also get to see what's going on with daredevil which anyone would know if they can picked up a war of uh, scrolls war of the realms war of scrolls which you can find in any store if you ask for it um but uh, I, I enjoyed this, but this is the one that kind of me feels like a little bit of a filler of like, hey, go th- like these stories are in miniseries somewhere. 
uh, like that. It's just without Thor in this issue, like the last one, well, he's in this a little bit. Um, I, I just feel like, I don't know, this was the one that's trying to get me to buy other minis, but it's still really good. So I enjoyed this one, but this is the one that I probably enjoyed the least of the three issues that I've read so far. Right. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, obviously, uh, Todd referencing here War Scrolls, which we'll get to here shortly. But this felt like just more of the same of issue two. There didn't seem to, like issue two ended with Valkyrie being killed by Malekith. Mm-hmm. And it was positioned in issue two as this huge, big deal. And I think they barely mentioned it, if at all, in this issue. Right. Um, and that being said, we did get a little bit in issue two of them, like, okay, this team of people are going to go here, and that team of people are going to go here. We're starting to see those teams go off and do what they're doing, and obviously the most important thing is is rescuing Thor, and we get to see what Thor is up to finally, now three issues into essentially his crossover. But what this issue did more than anything was make me want to read other crossovers that I'm not already getting, specifically the aforementioned War Scrolls, uh, miniseries or whatever it is as uh, I've been busy, so I read my books very, very late. Uh, I was informed that the Daredevil, Jason Aaron stuff that's in the War Scrolls things was just like more than just a little throwaway, that it was going to be, you know, I guess the main part of it. And when I went to my local retailer this past week for free comic book day, you would be surprised that not only one, was the store very busy, but two, the this one book was in a different spot. And yes, Todd is giving me a hard time that I could have asked someone. Everyone was very busy helping paying customers. I was just some jamoke in there who's there all the time. So I didn't want to be a, a nuisance. I will uh, pick up War Scrolls to read Jason Aaron written Daredevil when I go pick up my books today. And you wouldn't even have gotten a gentle ribbing if you weren't waiting outside the the comic book shop on free comic book day with these words. And I quote to greet me. I have a bone to pick with you, bub. I do. And I was like, okay, what? And then you were like, it didn't come out. This didn't happen. I don't even know. You were babbling. Your Mm -hmm. kid was running around. I was so confused. I was like, okay. I walked in the store and I'm like, there it is. Mm -hmm. There it is. I don't know. So. It was retaliation. What, supposed to. Was it? Was it with the Thor and War of the Realms books? It was with. Well, no, no. Was it with the Thor and the War of the Realms books? It was with them. Yes. It was right on the big new and noteworthy rack. Oh. As soon as you walk in the thing where all the books are, the 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 War of the Realms books. So it wasn't with like the T books for Thor or the W books for War of the Realms. No, it was where all the War of the Realms books were. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking about they were so busy, I walked in and talked to Matt for 10 minutes. So I don't know, right after you left, so I don't know, maybe you could have asked. That's well, no comment there. <laughs> well, you could ask Becky. She was working. No, she was just helping out. I think she was d- directing people. Oh, that's right, Wink. Uh, so, yeah, so, again, while this did not do a ton to move the story along, it did another thing that crossover should do, which is make you want to buy the other stuff that it crosses over into. So, mission accomplished. Uh, one of the other books, uh, you know, we'll get into free comic book day stuff. It's not really free comic book day, but kind of, sort of is. So, uh, this is DC's Year of the Villains special to kind of set up where all of their 
uh, big books are headed toward for 2018 and be, or 2019 and beyond. And it was a quarter book, but since it's under like a buck or 50 cents or whatever it is, you can go over and get it on Comixology for free. Mm-hmm. And we'll have the link to that here in the show notes with the episode. But this coulda, shoulda been one of the free comic book days for DC as DC kind of took a different path with their actual free comic book day offerings. So I think this was a little bit of a missed opportunity for DC. Uh, Obviously the difference of a quarter versus free is literally nothing, but I I feel as though this missed being on the table, if you know what I mean. Right. But this isn't the first time they did this. Remember last year, the quarter book was the Tom King story. The the beginning of the Brian Michael Bendis story in Superman and all the Scott Snyder uh, Justice League stuff. And I remember that because there was there was a story in there that retailers were complaining on the on the message boards like I can't give this quarter book away. I bought this for free comic book day and the Joker murders somebody in the the, the first and it's like. Well, it's not a free comic book day book. and But I remember, it seems, because I was even discussing at the shop with this, it seems like DC's going that route. We're going to put out the weird like stuff for free comic book day. Like they did a young Justice League book and a, uh, a teenage, like a Twilight uh, tweener, I don't know what you'd call it, book of Catwoman. And then the quarter books are what revolve around everything, which I, I think is weird. I think you should just... If you're going to only charge a quarter with all new material, just give it away free at that point. So I, I'm with you. They missed a big opportunity to me on free comic book day. Yes. Uh, and this, just like we talked about with War of the Realms, and again, to list, you know, it's a ton of writers, a ton of artists, a ton, a ton, a ton. Uh, but the main crux of this is what's going on in the Justice League book. And it starts off, it starts off hot in like, Here's Lex Luthor. Here's Amanda Waller. They're attacking the president. He's got the old Legion of Doom villains with him. Uh, Sinestro's in the blue uh, pixie outfit, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy, this looks awesome. I'm like, am I going to have to read the Justice League book to get, like, to find out what happens in this? And then, you know, Luthor has kind of marked himself and Captain Adam is coming. And then Lex does the unthinkable, and we're like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I am going to have to get this. And then I read the rest of the book. There you go. So, I'm, go ahead. I, I'm the same way. I was like, and I was less with you than like, I was like, okay, this is interesting. But then this seems to uh, sweep into more of the Scott Steiner, uh, Scott Steiner, Scott Snyder era of the book. Like they're going to do a little bit with the Leviathan and Brian Michael Bendis, which I will read, but everything else seems to be in, in Scott Snyder's wheelhouse. And I, as we've discussed, you know, no knock on him. I've kind of lost interest in his stories. So as this went on and then a certain character showed up, AKA the Batman who laughs, I'm like, I'm already over him. So I'm like, I'm, I'm checked on, on us. We'll see where a lot of this goes and I'll pick and choose what I'm interested in reading. But I do have a feeling there's not going to be much from the year of the villain, but we'll see. I'm already in on the Leviathan stuff. And it was kind of interesting of how they're tying in some bat characters into that and, to mm-hmm. make it less of a just Superman event, to kind of make it a little bit bigger than it it is. Mm-hmm. So the reveal of what's going on with Luthor, 
And then the back matter is, is like, hey, do you really want to know what's going on with this storyline? Here's 17 other books that you need to go get caught up on. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're going to talk about one of the other free comic book day offerings from Marvel, where I they don't give you a laundry list of books to make you get caught up on things, even though there may have been a thing that was misleading and or confusing, but we'll get to that here as well. So I think the idea of this book was great, and I was almost sucked into buying a Justice League book, Mm -hmm. but they just made the task feel too daunting. Right. And to be fair, like I, like I said, I w- read a lot of those War of the Realm like things and I'm like I'm not reading any of these books. That's too many. Just give me my mini series. So I I don't know. I I look at it as both both companies are trying to get my money and you know what both companies aren't going to get my money. So I'm I'm going to pick and choose wisely as I always do. Right. So one of the other books that we both read from this past week was the Spider-Man Free Comic Book Day offering which was two stories, um, and I don't want to say an inconsequential, but a kind of light story of Miles and Peter having a debate over where the best pizza in New York is, and somehow the shocker is involved, and we'll get there. Uh, That's written by Tom Taylor, and then the main story in this is written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Stegman, which is setting up the big Venom event that's happening uh, this summer. Right. Or is it the Carnage event? Well, it's a big Venomy Carnage sort of event. They're all Venom, even if you're Carnage or Toxin right. or whatever your symbiote name is, you're all Venom symbiotes to me. I agree, but I thought the name of the big event was Absolute Carnage. Why did I think it was Venomized? Or is that and or is that, that a different? That was the covers at Marvel for one month. Gotcha. Where everybody was like, it was like Doctor Doom if he had the symbiote on him. You know, Reed Richards if he had the symbiote on him. You know, Aunt May if she had the symbiote on her. You know, but this right. is, I think, Absolute Carnage. Right. It may be called Absolute Carnage. It's a Venom event. Oh, it's uh, it's it's Absolute Carnage in your program, but it's Venom in your heart. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So uh, essentially what this is, uh, is giving you the cliff notes of what's been going on in the Venom book for the better part of the last 10 months, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit longer to set up for the big crossover that's going on where Carnage is back. He was brought back by some sort of weird, wacky cult. And now that Carnage is back, he is going to anyone and everything that has ever touched a Venom symbiote and is collecting them to make himself stronger. And if you still have a Venom symbiote or a piece of the Venom symbiote or a Venom symbiote in it, in you, he can control you. Right, and it has all to do with the the symbiote god from the first run. That's the one thing that I will give this book really, that this story really well, is that it does the Cliff Notes version, like you said. It's like, hey, you know, the god was trapped on a planet. He created all the symbiotes. This is that bang, boom, bang, you know, absolute carnage. And I'm like, okay. Then something happens that completely confuses me. I've, okay. I, I felt like I missed an issue. Is this where you're... T- okay, now, and I, I, I'm glad that you bring this up. Mm-hmm. As we are recording this, and you're talking about Eddie Brock being in prison, right? Yes. Okay, so, as we are recording this show, Donny Cates puts out on Twitter, and again, I quote directly from Donny Cates' Twitter, as this show is live, and I'm just trying to find the tweet. I had it at my fingertips, and then it zip, zip, zipped away as we're mm-hmm. uh, doing the show. 
There he is. Because everyone's reporting that he killed someone. And he says, sorry, this is my fault for making the this part of the issue needlessly confusing. That was not Eddie in the prison. That was Cletus Carnage disguised as Eddie so that he could frame Eddie to get into the prison to get that symbiote. Okay, that makes sense because I was like, why would Eddie be that character when he gets the symbiote stuff? You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't feel, and I love Donnie Cates, I like a lot of stuff, but I feel this was, that part was poorly told. Like, I, I guess I was supposed to figure that out because, but at no point, I don't know. I just think it that part did not work at all. What, what do you think? Um... As soon as Eddie showed up in the beginning, I'm like, that's not Eddie. I know where Eddie is in this book. Something's going on. So I knew something was up. It was odd that Carnage can just shapeshift himself to make himself look like someone else. But if he can, I'm here for it. Sure, why not? I'm a little different on that. You okay. have There has to be rules on it. You can't just go... Oh, by the way, surprise, he always had this power. That's a little bit of that deus, however you say, hand of God stuff. Like, from I, I'm not making my story work to what this character can do. I'm going to make the character do, like, to make my story work. I, I don't if I'm explaining it right. I just, I've never heard of this before. If, unless someone can say all this has happened before, mm -hmm. I look at this as I need this to work, so I'm just doing this, if that makes any sense. Uh, they've been kind of playing fast and loose with Venom's power over the last year since Donny Cates took over the book. Okay. So that's why I'm like, okay, well, you know, if this is what Carnage could do now, then, you know, that makes him even more dangerous. Yes, the sh he's the Camille Car Carnage right. or something. Hey, Todd, I have a soft spot for, for Spider-Man stuff. Oh, no, really? Because while this is titled... Uh, absolute carnage, which means it is a Venom book at its at its heart, at its core. It's really a Spider-Man book because where are all of these characters without Spider-Man? I know you're going to say probably living a much better life. Right. Nay, I would say being in these comic books going on their wacky adventures month in and month out mm -hmm. is a better life than if Spider-Man wasn't introduced into their lives. Right. And like you said, the Spider-Man Miles uh, Morales Peter Parker story was interesting just because I did like the debate about pizza. That's as far as I'll go. Yep. On that story. In the end, I agree with them that the pizza of your youth will always be the best pizza because those are the good times that you remember. That's all I'm going to take away from that story. Asterisk, unless you have the onion pizza from the place by my house. Or the steak and cheese pizza by the place by my house. There you go. But you had that as a kid, right? <sighs> Would 17 be a kid? Eh, nah. No, I got that later. I helped... I helped them pre uh, prevent, perfect the dough recipe when I was working at another pizza place. That's a whole nother story, Joe. We could save that for an after dark somewhere down the line. Yeah, when we need a, when we need one in there, we could slide that one right in. Mm -hmm. So that's everything that we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed. Know what's coming out so that you have enough uh, things to buy and money and whatnots. But yes, 
Uh, so the thing that Todd and I always do is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead with two correct guesses over me. He has way more books than I do, which is why I feel okay in buying War Scrolls this week. <laughs> not on my list currently because it's kind of like a tweener book man, but that's not the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week anyway. It came out last week, so that beats the rule. I am going to guess the book you are most looking forward to coming out this week is Gunning for Hits number five. It is not Gunning for Hits oh, number five. Oh, no way. It is Wonder Twins number four, which I think is what you're looking forward to most. It is. Look at me. I just... went with Gunning for Hits number five because it's the end of the miniseries. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an ongoing. I thought it was an ongoing too until the solicitations for issue five came out and said issue five of five. Well, I don't read those things, so. Oh, Todd. Well, why would I read solicitations of a book that I enjoy? All I could do is ruin the story for me. <laughs> well, again, I, I say this all the time. I don't read the solicitations. I look to see the date that the book is coming out. I look to see what the title and the issue number is, and then I duly note it. And that this is the this is the thing that a lot of these books do now. And it's not just Image. It's Marvel. It's DC. It's everything. They release a book as issue one, and nowhere in in the text. Yep. Does it say that it's a miniseries or that it's an ongoing or whatever it is? And it's not until like issue three or even sometimes issue four gets solicited that they're like, oh, issue four of six or issue four of five. I'm like, where was this three months ago when you could have told me it was a miniseries up front? I'm starting to think that they do that on purpose. I know they do it on purpose. I don't like it, though. But also, now that I've moved up another point, mm. I'm going to win the what we're looking forward to most bet, and I'm on the road to winning the Doomsday Clock bet with the pendulum swinging my way. Everything's coming up, Todd, right now. Oh, it's a long year, Todd. There's still many, many months left. There is, that is true. And many of those months will not have issues of Doomsday Clock in them. <laughs> All I need is three months before November. Yeah, listen... All, right, all DC needs to do is publish three issues of a comic between now and uh, in the next six months. No problem. Anything could happen. <laughs> in the world of sports and entertainment, yes. Right. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have for you over there, whether it be past uh, episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, where we go into a whole dumb guy technical talk thing and uh, also todd uh talks about how he hates children i've never shied away from that topic right uh the 2017 smash sensation todd and joe have issues which we even referenced right here on this very show and of course our store link where you could purchase shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on them but nay. Say you want even more fancy logos. Maybe you want more fancy shirts. You can go over to our Tee Public store where you can get the full-color Longbox Heroes design, the soon-to-be-named network logo. Dozens of designs, by dozens I mean like three or four, uh, from At Odds With Wrestling. And you can get them not just on shirts. You can get them on a variety of different <sighs> objects and designs or things. You can get them on kids' uh, shirts. You can get them on mugs. 
you're, you were going to say actually on kids. I was like, yeah, what? you know, on like a kid size shirt. You know, we don't have kids size shirts in a box in my closet. Mm. But uh, go over to our T Public store. The link to that is over uh, underneath our store link as well. Uh, but another way that you can help us out as well is clicking on the Amazon banner across the top of the page. Does not cost you anything extra, but it gives us a little bit of a kickback from uh, good old Uncle Amazon. He calls it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. It does. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week was... Somebody purchased a Blue Q shopper bag that has a caricature of Godzilla with shopping bags saying so much to do while he's (laughs) also destroying buildings. That's a good one. Very cute. And uh, somebody also purchased signature tumbler, plastic glass, unbreakable double wall insulated coffee mugs. Double wall. Double wall, yes. That's like where... um, It'll have, like, the thing in... A lot of them will have, like, the, the thing inside where you can, like, throw it in the freezer. It'll help keep yes. your beverage hot or cold or whatever the hell it is. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, everyone, who purchased anything through the Amazon click-through this past week. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Uh, from Doulas. Dulaskar, he wrote the highlight of my free comic book day the first sketch in a sketchbook I actually bought for a con back in September but never got to use and it's my first sketch in 25 years thank you Kyle Stram and he got a uh, tick sketch big smiley very grinny very grinny uh, tick which I, I think is really cool um, and also from yakko.org, he picked up this sketch card at Westfield Comics on Free Comic Book Day to benefit Hero Initiative. It was done by Jeff Moy. I believe that's the right first name. Sorry if I got it wrong. Um, and it's just a pick, it's a sketch of Supergirl. Very cute. She's winking at me, not you, Joe, as often women do. And, uh, that's a nice little sketch too. And I do believe, like, like with all the cons coming up, we're in the beginning of, you know, sketch time at the convention. So hopefully we'll get a lot more stuff for Todd's Art Attack. I certainly hope so. Cause, uh, you, well, yeah, you had said that you might be going to the, uh, Phillipsburg Con. I'll see what's going on this weekend. I gotta, I, I, schedule might be early enough that we could swing it. We'll see. I don't think you will, but we'll try. Mm hmm. Like I said, I gotta check the old map quest. Mm. So that covers this part of the show. Now we have some TV shows to talk about. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, if you did not watch or do not care about the latest episodes of, Legends of Tomorrow, Cloak and Dagger, and last week's episode of The Flash. We're always a week behind because it kind of records the same time, or it airs the same time we record, so it makes it a little difficult to uh, mm-hmm. discuss. Uh, we bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, episode 449 of Longbox Heroes. We'll catch you all here next week. And now uh, we'll get into discussion of these shows here. What order would you like to do them in? Let's talk about The Flash, since that's the oldest one. Okay. So the main plot of this is Nora is evil, and she gets other evil 
uh, not rogue rogues who don't have, who are not in metas themselves, but have like weaponry or, you know, they're freaks like a ragdoll to assist her on a mission. And she's using her speed because through Eobard Thawne, she's able to tap into the tap into the dark speed force. Right, the reverse speed force or whatever, I don't know. Right, so we've got that going on, and of course, Barry and Iris are sad because they did this to their daughter, and Barry is more sad than Iris, Iris is more angry than anything else. Uh, we have stuff going on with Ralph and Caitlin, where Ralph is trying to assist Caitlin get over, getting over the death of her father from just one episode <laughs> before. right. And Cisco uh, and Sherlock, Sherlock get captured by the said not rogue rogues. Right. I'm going to start with the uh, the Killer Frost slash uh, Caitlyn uh, elongated man stuff. I like. I, I thought it was kind of weird, but it, then it did turn around into. I like uh, uh, Ralph saying, like, all that stuff works for other people. All those, the guides by Ralph Didney. And she's like, you just got it back and you're trying to give it away. Can't you use it to find someone? And and he's like, yeah, it never works for me. And I, I thought that was, I thought it was like a little bit of a touching moment. But uh, it wasn't the greatest storyline. The only thing that I like about it is I can relate to, I could see everything with everybody else perfectly clear. When it comes to my life, everything's real hazy, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I did like that that little nod to that kind of stuff. You can always help other people, but it's harder to help yourself. Right. Uh, so I did like the main storyline with Nora. Uh, I really thought she went heel, if you will. Right. But it just turns out that she was using these other non-rogue rogues. And again, I keep saying non-rogue rogues. The rogues are anyone who's aligned with Captain Cold. Yes, there's a list. I have a list of rogues. And then there's the fake, even in the comic, there was the fake new rogues who were trying to usurp. And it was like, no, 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 you're never going to beat the, the traditional rogues. Right. Um, but so she, she had a bunch of help from the Flash family. She felt sad. Everyone's kind of made up. But while all this was going on, uh, they found out that Cicada, Lady Cicada from the future, who's the little girl in the coma in the current day and time, she stole a bunch of the prototype cures that Caitlin's father had at his laboratory because now... Lady Cicada is going to weaponize the metahuman cure. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Uh, the one thing that I was with you, I, you know, I didn't so much think Nora was going to turn heel. But in all that, I was kind of sad that we didn't get to see Bug Eye Bandit sing. I would have liked to see I the almost, it, that was one of those things that's been so long since I watched Walking Dead. And it's been so long since <laughs> Beth died on Walking Dead. And then I remembered that she was the Bug-Eyed Bandit. It's been so long since the Bug-Eyed Bandit's been on The Flash. So, like, as she comes on, like, it's start, like all these puzzle pieces are very slowly. <laughs> like, you ever see where you can get, like, for your kid the puzzle? And I'm not talking about the four-piece one. Come on. Where it's kind of, like, maybe the size of, like, a magazine, maybe a little bit smaller. 
and it has the border built into it. You can pop those puzzle pieces out. Right. And there's like maybe like 18 to 20 pieces. That's the puzzle that was be putting together. <laughs> and it's like big piece, big piece. And then you know how like sometimes you'll smash it out yeah. and then like four of the pieces will still stick together. So you're like, I'm not going to break those up. I'm just putting them right back in. Advantage me. Yeah, that's how the puzzle was being put back together in my head. And I'm like, oh, she better not sing. And she didn't. That's why Flash is a better show than Walking Dead. Right. So that, but on on the heel turn, she did, you know, she didn't go full heel turn. But she did do the vibrating hand to threaten Cisco. If I was Cisco, you can't come back from that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's going to be like, a tough one for her to talk her way out of. Exactly. It'd be like, oh, like, she's our daughter, and, like, you know, uh, Iris and Barry and, like, maybe Sherlock and all that stuff. Like, Nora, we forgive you. But I want to see, you know, on the next episode, I want to see Cisco, like, like, no. Like, you just did, like, one of the most horrific, like, memories I had that I vibed ever. And you threatened me with that? We don't get to be friends anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think and if not, I think it's a bad thing because I think there should be fallout, at least some fallout for what she did, you know? Right. So we'll um, see. But overall, I thought this was a good episode. We only got like two episodes left, including the one that aired today. And uh, listen, the entire team Flash was together. I know, and it was like, was everybody there? Because uh, at one point, I, even if they weren't all in the same room together during the whole time, because we saw Joe West, right? Yeah, everybody had speaking roles. And his wife, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, Joseph. you know what? Cecile wasn't there, but I don't count her as like the main like Star Labs crew. I don't know. When she got the powers and started working with Joe, I look ah, at her. As, see, I don't Lucky know. being contrarian this week, but that's okay. But hey, listen, when she took when she, you know, took over for Joe when he couldn't stand up and walk around like Rory Calhoun, she became a regular as far as I was concerned. That's true. And I'll say this, with Joe being back and walking around, not unlike Rory Calhoun, <laughs> I am constantly reminded that Joe always wears hats. Oh, he's got the Sami Zayn uh, Boston cab driver hat now. And then last week's episode, he was wearing a knit hat indoors all the time. Right. And I, listen, Joe's probably an older gentleman. He's probably like in his late, you know, early to mid 50s. Mm-hmm. Listen, everybody goes bald. Just let it go, man. I think he's cold now because they put that metal pipe in his back to help oh. him. And it just, it just it just absorbs the cold right up your spine, Joe. Nah, he's been doing this since last season. So this mm-hmm. is a, this is a choice that he's making that he's. Listen, if only there was another show in this pantheon of CW shows that could somehow fashion a wig for him. Oh, there are many wig manufacturers on TV shows on the CW. Right. So is that all we got for The Flash? I think so. Okay, so we're talking about it, so let's get into Legends of Tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, The episode entitled Nip Stuck. Oh, so, no, yes. No, yes. Yes, no, I got confused there, which is a great title when you figure out everything that's going on because they're stuck in the snow and Gary has a hypnotic something, but Mm -hmm. which I, I, which I really want to talk about. So, right. Oh, I didn't know if you wanted to save that to the end of the, that's kind of like the B plot, I guess, like even the C plot I would give you. Cause uh, you could argue that there's like an A, like an A one and an A two plot, which makes that the C plot by default. (laughs) Right. You need math. (laughs) 
Right, because the main, I would say the main story is Neron possessed Ray and Constantine going on the adventure mm-hmm. is your main storyline. But then them button hooking Sarah and the rest of the crew of the Wave Rider to get themselves trapped in the avalanche is like a two story, right? Right, and then all the two part B stories in the in the the stuck Wave Rider. Right, and then you have the performance reviews being done by Gary back at the bureau, and Gary is all the man we'll ever need. I was just going to say, when you're saying the reviews are being done, they're being done by Gary Green, the only man we need. I was crying as that was going on. Yes. Uh, So this was, I thought this was a great episode. Uh, Ray, uh, possessed by Neron, and Constantine go back in time to encounter what, what they say, the originator of the Constantine bloodline? yes okay and it was just he's one of the he's one of the many magical i think he might have been the one that started but he's one of the many magical things in constantine's bloodline which they you did do in the hell hellblazer uh, comic that his family was sketchy and was into weird things right so it's just the actor who plays constantine matt ryan in a wig and a scar over his eye yes that's so you know the difference so that was just so, what, Constantine would keep the portal open so Neron can save the love of his life. Right. Who turned out, who ta- they've, they've been talking about Tabitha, 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 she's in hell. And then, you know, uh, John opens the portal so he could save the puka. I guess that was the little thing that he was going to save. And then we find out that Tabitha gets out and Tabitha is the fairy godmother from the early episodes of this season, which blew my mind. And I'm like, right then and there, I'm like, these last two or whatever episodes are going to be fantastic because she was the most fun that I kind of had during this season. Right. And the other thing is, I think, unless I'm mistaken, so the blue fairy, she was a witch. Mm. And it wasn't Tabitha the name of the witch on Bewitched? I think so, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, on Bewitched, yes. So also, I also I, I have to doff my John Cena cap to Brandon Ralph because mm-hmm. they have the scene where the blue fairy Tabitha is is saved, and they kiss and he goes for it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times you see shows where there are people who are supposed to be married, betrothed, lovers, whatever you will, and they kiss and they look like it's. People who just met for the first day being forced at gunpoint to kiss. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ralph, he, I, I'm convinced he was in love with that old lady. Yeah. Well, that was the Neron that was in him, Joe. Oh, okay. I was also convinced Neron was in Brandon Ralph. So. Yes. But I do like it, and I do like the view of the 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 other legends like oh god like they were like is that tongue it's like they just like the round robin of of stuff so that was fun and i like that the uh cards uh to save the the timeline that uh, ray had invented had do a musical number to save the day mm-hmm. so hopefully they'll get to use that card soon again i hope i i think the days of your cards against humanity may have come and gone right but if they release this version that's based on this show, while it would have a much narrow base of people who would actually buy it than the previously canceled DC Lucha mashup action figures, right? I would absolutely buy these. 
I would too. Or at least if they made them like available, like, oh, here, print them out yourself, dum-dums. Right, like a wrestling bingo card or something. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I also, so uh, Ray, possessed by Neron, tricks the Wave Rider with Heat Wave being impulsive uh, to create the avalanche. And then he and Sarah have a heart-to-heart how they're the last two of the original Legends left. Which was cool. I like that. I didn't think about that. Which leads me to believe that one of, if not both, are getting bumped off before the se- by the end of the season. Right. The fact that they acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, Sarah's like, you know what? Because they had like turned all the stuff off in the ship uh, so that they can conserve energy and whatever. And then Sarah was like, who cares? Turn everything back on. Let's roast some marshmallows. Let's make some hot cocoa and let's make the best of this. And the warmth of their love melted the avalanche, Todd, and saved them. That's right. And on any other show and any other thing, I would would cry foul. But because (laughs) it's the Legends of Tomorrow, not unlike Spider-Man, you could do any cornball thing you want and it's acceptable. Okay, fair enough. You did not like them. The power of their love for each other as a family, not just a team, melted the snow. I felt it was more that they turned on the heat, and that was it. <laughs> That's all. And I did like that. There, that uh, that uh, what's her face Z and uh, and Nate were making a baby with the uh, dragon's egg. That was fun to watch. I the only missed opportunity there was. And, you know, you can get away with some basic cable PG-13-esque nudity uh, where she takes her shirt off and mm-hmm. she's wearing a bra and then Nate strips down to his bare chest mm-hmm. and the two of them do the double skin-to-skin contact with the egg. Right. Missed opportunity. Definitely missed opportunity. But if you're going to see flesh in an episode, Gary's got you covered. Right, so the way that so everyone at the bureau is all hypnotized by whatever's going on in that office with Gary, and the whole time uh, Nora and Mona are trying to figure out how to stop it, how to get away with it, but it's too late. Nora has already been corrupted as well, so now Mona's the last one left. She goes in there, she wolfs out, and again, doff my cap. They did not show the transformation on screen. Kudos to you, whoever shot this episode, <laughs> because you needed to save that special effects budget for Gary's eyeball nipple that's hypnotizing people. It wasn't hypnotizing, it was nippotizing. <laughs> Which, as soon as I heard that, I cracked up. I'm like, okay. I honestly thought that that was a crossover between Jimmy J.J. Walker and Nipsey Russell at first, when they ah. kept saying it. Right. I, it, 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 has anybody ever had something like that in a movie or TV show where there was like an eye under their skin? Yes, in Evil Dead 2. Oh, or no, in crap. Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. He has it come out of his shoulder, and that's where Evil Ash comes from. Oh, uh, so maybe we'll get an Evil Gary out of his nip. But no, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the, 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 Nora, not Nora, who's the girl uh, who was the wolfed out? She bit it off, didn't she? Mona. Yeah, she bit Mona? off the uh, eyeball nipple. Right. So hopefully Gary's good again. Do you think Gary's going down for this? No, no, I don't think Gary's going down. He was uh, influenced. He wasn't thinking of himself, and Gary's always a good egg to have around. But I will say the special effect on the uh, nipple eyeball was really, really good for this show. And I got to give the actor who plays Gary props for being cool Gary. 
was kind of fun. I just was like, he's like, he's saying all these cool things and he's talking to like the women that work there. And, and Nora's like, did she just swoon at Gary? And I'm like, you go cool, Gary. I agree. Cool. Gary is awesome. Mm-hmm. So last but not least is cloak and dagger, which also I think is coming up here. I think we got two, uh, Three episodes left of Flash, three episodes left of Legends of Tomorrow. We have two episodes of The Flash. Two episodes of Flash, my apologies. And we actually got four episodes of Cloak and Dagger left. Right. So this is, as we saw at the end of the last episode, as Tandy was attempting to find out what was going on with those missing girls, the girls that were being kidnapped, why they had no hope left. She herself gets button hooked and kidnapped as well. Right. And the past episode, she was telling a story from someplace that we weren't quite sure. And this is the explanation of where she is, like telling the story in this like dreamscape, if you will. Right. So I think at this point where we are aware that uh, Tandy is in this and each little story is different parts of her life just changed ever so slightly. Right. Like possible futures or possible pasts even, because I think um, there's the one where she's going around with the save the birds thing. Right. And she lifts the guy's wallet and then she meets up with Tyrone. A lot of those things are like, that was a possible first meeting for those two in this other alternate timeline. Right. Uh, Because the first one is they don't die in the explosion and get their powers that end up the father doesn't die in the crash and Tyrone's brother isn't shot and everything is perfect. But then slowly each vision after that has something more wrong with it. It's almost like Tandy's trying to tell herself that something's wrong here. You know what I mean? Right. And every time that she gets to that point uh, in whatever the dream reality, whatever it is, is that's when she's using her power, which we're flashing back to her subconsciously using her power to help to attempt to help herself get out of that. And that's when they dope her up even more, put her back down even further. And then she ends up in a different alternate vision. vision. Yes. Right. And each time in this vision, she keeps seeing, and I'm going to use this, this knowingly a man in black, if you will. Right, Like he just keeps popping up and she's trying to figure out who he is in all of this. And as it goes on, we find out that the, uh, the female counselor who bamboozled, bamboozled her and kidnapped her is also working for the guy counselor that, she, that, that uh, Tandy had met and, and got the information about these missing girls from. So he's, he's kind of sketchy now. Right. So is it, is it clear that he has powers as well because because of his mi- that's right he does cuz yes. he had the migraines he went to kill himself and the night that he killed himself was the night of the accident so yes he does have powers right. and, and that that was all the records in the store were memories like when she went into the she went into the, the cloak or what what do they call it cuz i always say the dark hold which is the book right uh dark force dimension Dark Force Dimensions, where she was in there, she finds all these dark memories, and they're, I don't know if he's in the Dark Force or what, but he's the one who made the music store with all the dark memories, and whenever he brings somebody in and sucks away their hope and takes that, that it makes the uh, the headaches go away. 
So I, you know, that's an interesting, I don't know if he's a real character. I want to look into that, but I forget what his actual, like, you know, uh, his uh, kayfabe name is. That's not his, uh, his Christian name in the show, if you will. So, but, and I like the fact that, I don't know if you noticed, did you notice that every time they did the music, it was the same song, but different versions? No. Like, you know how he kept flipping the record? And it would okay. be like an old timey like jazz version of the, of a song. It was all the song that ended up being it's sweet by and by. It's a it's a hymn, and Johnny Cash sings it at the end. Oh yes yes yes. That's all. If you listen, they're all the same song, but just different versions of that song. Like they even said, I was reading an article. They had to go get like seven rights to that song to do this episode. Oh really? Yes. But I just thought that was cool because, you know, I know this is, you know, go, going off. Uh, I'm a bit of a Johnny Cash fan. So I kind of marked out when he when they played it. And I was like, and so I looked it up and I didn't notice either. But it was all the same song that the the man in black they were calling him was playing on, on Tandy's record. So I just thought that was cool. It does not appear. No, actually, uh, he is Marvel uh, villain Despair, and that's D-apostrophe Spare. I vaguely remember a character name that way, because he said, I forget what it was, there was like, he's like, there's a difference, there's a fine line between Despair and something else. And I and did suffering. like the... What? Suffering. Yes, and, they, and he was like, suffering is, you know, just angst and pain, where Despair is the lack of hope, which what... Tandy was finding when she touched all the victims that they had no hope. So it all, like it all makes sense as you're going on. I do like the writing in this. This might have been my least favorite episode of the season so far just because like I, I thought the visions got better as they went on and they were starting to cross over and everything and the the hecticness of it. But overall I was like I think uh there was a little too much of it and we needed more Tyrone in this episode, not fake Tyrone, if you know, vision Tyrone. Right, not vision, yes, yes. Uh, I liked the idea mm-hmm. of, you know, all these past instances where Tandy is kind of interacting with them, and, but I get what you're saying. Not my favorite episode, but I, I think I might have liked it a little bit more than you did. Right. Um, but I think I would say, as I was watching it, when, uh, when Tandy and Tyrone were in the first perfect world where Tyrone's a cop and Tandy's a ballerina and they're getting along, I'm like, this is what Joe wants from them as Cloak and Dagger. Two friends who are happily fighting crime. Yes! Right. I'm just saying, that's what that's what went, actually went through my mind without joking. That's that's the, uh, that's the show I want. Right. But with Cloak and Dagger. But with Cloak and Dagger, that's right. I want a little more angst than that, but I would like to see some some happiness between. Yeah, them. we had a bunch of angst last season and most of this season. Let's let's get to being friends and wearing costumes and busting heads. But teenagers, Joe, they're angsty. I don't know. They're well, again. I, I know they're supposed to be teenagers, but I don't buy it. You don't buy the age. They're easily walking to bars multiple times. Well, that's New Orleans, baby. That's Nolens. Oh. Old Swampy. <laughs> yes. Maybe Man-Thing will show up. 
Well, again, looking up Despair's history, he he fights Cloak and Dagger a bunch, and he also fights uh, Swampy a bunch. So there, but not not Swamp Thing, but uh, um, Man Thing. Man Thing. There you go. So that'd be cool if he shows up. Yes, I'm looking forward to more Cloak and Dagger. So we, like you said, we have like four episodes left. So, anything else? No, I think that's everything. I agree. So, uh, big show, bigger than I thought it was originally going to be, but that's okay. Uh, Closing out episode 449 of Longbox Heroes for Real. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Ooh!